You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. My name is Oliver Queen. My name is Barry Allen. You're blind, but you see so much. Everything we've been doing, it all leads here. Suit up. Jim Gordon, GCPD. I hear good things about you, Counselor. Harvey Dent. Likewise, about you, Detective. You think you know me, but I've never been more than what each of you has created. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. New episode of Televised Heroics with Daniel and Mitch. Always a good time, right, listeners? Right, Daniel? I hope so. <laughs> uh, before we get started on the shows, uh, I think a couple things, uh, news articles that I came across this week that I want to talk about. Mark DeCascos of, I think most famously of Iron Chef, <laughs> is going to be on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, so that's pretty cool. I know him personally from like movies like Only the Strong, Brother of the Wolf, and Drive. Uh, very, I think he's a very talented martial artist and actor. So it's going to be pretty awesome to see him in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., whatever role he's going to be playing. Uh, Ken Marino is going very funny man is going to be in Agents Carter this second season coming up in January. So, uh, you know Ken Marino, no. Daniel, uh, funny guy. He's in a lot of funny movies. He's in uh, oh like uh, What Hot American Summer. You ever watch that? Oh yeah, yeah. He's one of the the counselors in that. Okay, the one with the, the one with the big uh, big fro. Oh, okay. Okay, so that's Ken Marino. And you've seen him in other things, I imagine. He's uh, supposedly going to be playing a type of organized crime mob boss that is going to be going up against Carter. So we'll see how that plays out. Then I guess some of the other big news would be Garrett Dillahunt, the actor, has been seen talking about possibly having a role in uh, The Walking Dead. Playing a character I know you know all too well. Yep. Uh, I, wow, that's actually pretty surprising. Um, there was a rumor before him. Um, it was Kevin Durand, the guy that played the blob in X-Men Origins, who was also going for the part. So I was actually kind of excited to see if that was going to happen. But um, Mr. Dillahunt, I don't, I'm not familiar with his shows or movies. so You should definitely give Raising Hope a, fu- a chance. It's a funny, funny show. He played the father in that, so it was really he was really funny. But he can do action and dramatic also. He was in Looper. He was in uh, Deadwood. You know, he played two roles in Deadwood, so that was pretty cool. So yeah, anybody he posted on his Twitter or Facebook that he, uh, a picture of a bat saying he was going to get really familiar with it or something like that. So uh, take that as you will for people <laughs> who were in, who know the comics. And on his Twitter page, um, he was reading uh, The Walking Dead Condendum, I think that's what it's called, uh, Volume 3, and that's where Negan makes his appearance, so. Exactly, so we'll we'll see, you know. Anything else that you want to talk about, or you just want to get right into the shows? Well, I mean, everybody knows this, that everybody's still on the whole Glenn is alive train, so that's mainly the articles I saw all week. That's right, and you know, we'll probably get into that more into... When we get to The Walking Dead later in the episode. Sounds good. Sounds good. So first up, as always, Gotham. What did you think of this episode? 
this episode, I don't know, uh, to be honest, um, it was one of the more uh, fast-paced ones, too. Um, kind of all over the place, but um, but definitely, it didn't feel like an hour show. It actually ended too quickly. I wanted to see more. I was hooked on this episode. There, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff happening in this episode, and like I think... Uh, a lot of it focused on the Riddler, which I've said in the past is probably one of my favorite characters from the show. So I was really happy to see that character get uh, a lot of spotlight this this week. Um, but there were other things like Silver, Silver St. Cloud. She's in on it with Theo Gallivant. What do you think about that? I didn't expect her to be, to be completely honest. I just thought that she was, you know, an innocent teenager. Like, right, that's exactly where I was too. I was like, "Oh man, she, he's asking her and telling her about the plan," and and she's like, "Yeah, I've got him wrapped around my fingers." I was like, "Whoa, she's gonna be a little uh, femme fatale, I guess." You know, that's uh, that's crazy. I love the threat uh, to Selena as well. Right, like I love I love the way they're doing they're do- what they're doing with Selena this season. She really like more so than last season is a person that doesn't know where she belongs. She doesn't, she wants to be one way, but then she wants to be another way. And she, she finds herself being torn between the two worlds. And I think, uh, you know, Bruce is definitely the representation for that, for her. Uh, she saw that Bruce was hanging out with silver and got upset. And then she went in and then silver turned on her and, Damn. <laughs> Which, okay, okay, also, I thought it was kind of stupid, because, I mean, these are 12-year-old kids, and we're doing a love triangle between the three of them. I understand that blossoming crushes like that happen in the real world, but do we really need that in this show? Ratings. Ratings? Okay, <laughs> I'll give you ratings, but anybody watching this show, do they really care about Bruce Wayne's love life between two underage Girl, I mean, it's not that Bruce Wayne was underage or anything, but I mean, if even if it was my own kids, I wouldn't want to know any of this nonsense. Yeah, the, that conversation is, uh, I guess, too adult for their age that they're at right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's definitely too 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 adult, and it just was very unnecessary to, in my in my opinion. Let's talk about uh, what's. Penguin's henchman's guy's name. I can't remember right now. Butch. Gil- Butch, thank you. So we have the double cross. The double cross has been put in. He he shows him the way to Penguin's mother and turns on him. Shows him that he's working for Theo Galavan. And, man, they... I, I liked the, her, like, you just have to find that word and then extract it from him. And, and it has no longer has power on him. So I thought that was pretty cool. She was able to... Uh, deprogram him, I guess. Yeah. And that was pretty awesome. I didn't think, um, you know, he was going to go through with it, just like Butch said later in the episode. You know, Theo actually killing Gertrude, and turns out, you know, Tigress killed Gertrude. She did it. Or, was yeah, was it? Yeah, she threw the knife, or did she just walk up and stab her? Threw the knife. I forgot. Okay. Because Theo walks up to, to, to take the, to kill penguin and penguin being resourceful as he is rips that knife out slices him across the face and then runs What'd away you think of, <laughs> and then runs away well yeah because he's penguin but yeah i mean obviously he keeps he keeps living he keeps getting away that's but the you know it was pretty 
pretty incredible. I thought that um, Butch still was able to muster up to get his own people together and try and fight off the Penguins' advances. Yeah. So, I mean, other than that, we had, oh, the Riddler, you know, showing doing the riddles for himself. You know, trying to, his alternate ego or his uh, cracked mind uh, giving himself clues to find Chris Kringle's body. That was crazy. And then the, the end result being, how did you feel when she was in the room? And he felt he felt more alive. So, obviously, you know, this is the beginnings of the Riddler that we know. How he'll be able to pull off crimes and leave riddles and no one's going to know that it's him is kind of weird because even as a forensic scientist, he kept coming up to Bullock and, and uh, Gordon and giving him riddles and stuff. It's true. Maybe that won't develop till a little bit later because, I mean, he, that's a dead giveaway. Bullock, just like you said, Bullock and Gordon aren't going to be like, oh, crap, Nigma, he does this shit around the precinct all the time. <laughs> right. He probably is going to have to end up faking his own death at some point so that uh, uh, they think that he's dead and they won't suspect him. Not going to lie, um, I think the Riddler might steal the show this season. I think maybe by the end of the season he might he very m- might well because uh, they I I like I said in the first season or well I said to myself because I w- we didn't have this show during the first season but like I said to the first during the first season I really enjoy his character I think he's uh, other than the times when they're very much hamming it up and saying hey this guy's the Riddler he's gonna <laughs> be the Riddler you know riddle 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 all the time I just other than that part I was just like oh he's I think he's a pretty good. Pretty good uh, character. Really good uh, character development from from the writers, finally. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. And you know what? I think uh, they're finally doing something, uh, or this season they're definitely doing something right with this, this show. They're, they're giving us what we want. We want to see characters that we know instead of characters that we uh, know through other characters or making up characters. So, uh, so far... We're good. I'm happy. One thing I really enjoyed about this season, uh, and especially this episode, is Ben McKenzie's facial expressions when things are happening. He he does these things like uh, head tilts or his face wrenches when something. I mean, this I don't know. I mean, he's obviously making these choices as an actor, but I think they're very much Gordon esque. Like it, it's just like. Things don't sit right with him, and he notices them, even if they're subconsciously, but he makes these facial expressions without actually saying any words, and I think, that's perfect. He does that part really well. He's reacting. He Exactly. He's reacting in the moment, and it's, he does really good that way. Um, so I'm really happy about it. Which then brings us to the big point of the episode, I think, is that he knows that Galavan knows that he knows that Galavan <laughs> is a bad guy, <laughs> is the real monster in, in Gotham right now. The the whole thing about uh, the Penguin doing things out of his character, there's no profit in uh, trying to kill off political people and stuff like that. So it never sat well with him that Penguin was behind this. And when Penguin tells him he had my mother, he killed her, he's, uh, he's put, he puts it all together. And he's, even though he knows Theo is the bad guy, he still protected him though. Yep. So that was pretty cool. That's the Gordon we know. Oh, what do you think of the standoff uh, towards the end of the episode when everybody was pointing guns at each other? 
<laughs> I, I think it was appropriate, and it went down the way it was supposed to. He, he knows, he 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 knows, or Gordon knows that Gallivan's the bad guy, but he didn't he didn't back down, and he didn't turn the gun on Gallivan. He 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 did as a proper police officer would do, kept the the gun pointed at the threat until the threat was was done. So I I enjoyed it. I thought it all played out well. All I gotta say too is um. I don't know if this is a plot hole in me over in analyzing everything, but wouldn't the GCPD have uh, cameras in this precinct and have tape Nigma hiding the body parts and the clues for himself? And couldn't, you know, <laughs> they review the tapes? You would think they probably would. You would think there would be cameras everywhere inside the police department. But then again, this is a police department that's very corrupt and has been very corrupt in the past. So maybe there's not too many cameras that they want, uh, you know, um, turned on themselves. Uh, then again, there's no reason for them to look at the the security footage if they never found the bodies. True. So you have that. <laughs> I mean, how's he going to explain to explain away that uh, Miss Kringle is not is no longer around, especially after right she just he just got done telling uh, Leslie Tompkins that the two of them fight. had a fight. Yeah, so that just makes you suspect number one. Yeah. <laughs> so piggybacking on it, I love that he embraced the inner darkness, and I'm excited to see where this goes. He definitely embraced it, so yeah. Yeah, I'm excited too. Supergirl, you got around to watching the first episode, I assume. Yeah, first and second episode. What would you think of the first episode, even after we talked about it last week? I really liked um, the the intro monologue. Um, I think it was the first five minutes. Uh, I really liked the monologue she delivered. Great. Uh, very informative to those who are not familiar with the character. I myself am not familiar with the character, so definitely very informative. I like the whole guy in blue conversation uh, when they were talking about Superman every time they brought him up. Um, actually, in episode two, we got Superman dropped a couple of times. Oh, yes, a couple of times. So I, I, I want to say that... that... There's, they, they must have had something during the pilot where they didn't know they were going to be able to say Superman or not. So after the pilot was shot, uh, they probably got the okay to say the word Superman. So they were able to say it more often in the second second episode. Yeah. Which I'm, uh, you know, okay with. Uh, I, it's, I think it's too silly and too uh, obvious when they constantly try and say other words other than Superman. The big man. The big man, the other guy, well, the other guys when they talk about the Hulk and Avengers, <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, the guy in blue, the Boy Scout, things like that. Yeah, the, I think that first five minutes, you're right. It was good. It's good for people who don't know the backstory to Supergirl, and it's good for people who do know the backstory, because we didn't spend a whole bunch of, we didn't spend half an hour on her, her backstory, her origin. They spent that first five minutes, got it out of the way, onto the onto the rest of the story. Which is something that uh, all the Spider-Man reboots should have done. Just saying. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. We didn't need to see uh, Peter Parker getting bit by that spider yet again. Um, I will say that the Kryptonian villains or everybody that was in the Phantom Zone, to me, it's gonna maybe the season is going to feel too much like The Flash, where they had to capture new metahumans and throw them in the pipeline. I think it's going to get too repetitive for me. Um, you're right, and... Uh... I, I think it's 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 good to note that both shows are done by the same people as The Flash and Supergirl are both Greg Berlanti and Andrew Kreisberg. So it's, you know, we might get some similarities. At least this way, there's a better explanation of where all these powered people are coming from. 
And I do like the fact that it's not all Kryptonians either. You know, like this episode two wasn't a, or episode one wasn't a Kryptonian. Episode two uh, isn't a Kryptonian. He's a Helgramite. Yep. So insect insect like creature. You know, eats the DDT stuff. So it was interesting. So I did pick up on this um, the message that um, Kara's mom left for her, saying you will lose uh, your way many times. So maybe there is a possibility of her losing her way and, you know, having that dark side uh, storyline. Very well. Could be. You're right. That's uh, we could see an evil Supergirl somewhere on the on the way, which I'm OK with that. That's I, I would love I love to see it when the the heroes go bad for a little bit. It, it usually gives the actor a chance to break from what they normally do and show a little bit more range. So I'm happy about that. And if that happens, do you think they they are gonna have to bring Superman in? Uh, I, I I I don't see them. They, they might. They, you know, I have no idea. I want to say I I want to say I don't see them bringing in Superman. I don't know what the rules are for licensing and stuff like that. But they were able to show that silhouette of him in the first episode, so maybe they'll do something more like that. Yep. The testing that they're doing on her is just like I don't know if you can really test really well in the facilities you know what i mean like it seems pointless to me that's true i mean and it is completely different from how they're doing the tests on the flash uh, you know down in star lab so uh, yeah right it's a little bit tough you're right and then her her, her whole like okay so this like this episode she or oh, i don't know this episode specifically she does absolutely nothing to really hide her identity like when she meets the two guys outside of uh, the Catco building in the alley, she's she's talking. And even inside the office building, she's talking about Supergirl as Supergirl, with everybody just standing around. Like they, they people don't think that anybody else can hear them. I don't understand this. <laughs> well, they do a terrible job of keeping her secret identity. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I mean. Didn't James say, you know, they're not going to recognize you. They're not going to think it's you because, you know, you're in the shadows all the time. You don't stand out to anybody. Even so, she's walking through the office talking to her other friend about her doing things that Supergirl did. With And all these people are supposed to be journalists. They're supposed to be, you know, people that keep an ear out for things. <laughs> you would think, you would think like, hey, uh, I stopped that bonfire with my super breath would be something that someone would hear and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> also, you know how she puts her hair in a bun and then when she's super girl, she lets it go and nobody knows who it is. That's right. Hair in the bun and, su- and glasses really uh, make it so that you uh, don't know who someone is. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. You know what? Okay. Okay, this. When Clark went to the Daily Planet, he put on the glasses because he already knew that he was going to be Superman. So he wears the glasses so that people don't know who Superman is. She wears glasses before she decides to be Supergirl. Why? She obviously doesn't need them. Yeah. Why does she wear the the glasses? Fashion statement. Oh, so they're faux glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, dude, tell me you caught who they were interviewing 
on the on the newscast at the very beginning of the episode. Oh shit! I think it's I wrote it. Peter Facinelli. Peter Facinelli was the actor. Who was the character he's playing? I don't know. Maxwell Lord. Maxwell Lord. I can't believe it. He's he's in the show. That's freaking <laughs> awesome, man. So that means we're gonna we probably gonna get a mind controlled Supergirl at some point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and such a uh, you know I, I don't know if I don't know if you could say he's a huge actor or not because Peter or Peter Facinelli uh, was in all those Twilight movies. He was the patriarch of the vampire family that was living out. I don't know. Anyways, I just know he was the father of those of those vampires or whatever. Um, but he's also he's been in a lot of he was in like Can't Hardly Wait when I was in high school. So, <laughs> but he's I think he's a cool actor. Oh, he, Nurse Betty or Nurse Jackie, the show that was on Showtime for not too long, uh, not too long ago. He was on that uh, too. So that yeah, he was in that. He's played a doctor. Plastico Chemical. That was where that first scene was with um the Helgramite where he 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 took the DDT. I don't know. That sounded so familiar, Plastico. I wonder if it has anything, any ties to DC. Maybe Plastic Man. Maybe. I didn't catch it, actually. Okay. Fair enough. Anybody that's listening, if they know anything about DC Comics and Plastico, Chemical, go ahead and write it right into us. Did, uh, did you like um, the Krypton flashbacks? Mm, they're okay. I mean, I could live with them or live without them. It didn't make a break for me. Why did you? What did you? How did you feel about them? Actually, I thought it was pretty insightful. I mean, I think the flashbacks might give us more, obviously, detail of what's going on in Krypton. You know, more of her. I was gonna say, I don't know if it's gonna feel uh, too islandish. You know, Green Arrow. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. If every episode she flashes back to on Krypton, what happened? How it and how it is, it's going to affect what happens in the episode that day? Then yes, it's going to be very much Arrowish and the island. So yeah, if they do that, they really need to keep it to a very minimum. Um, her having memories of her mother, her mother is great, and that and I think the hologram at the end of it is going to be really cool for her to inter- interact with. I think the fact that her mother and her aunt have the exact same face because they're twin sisters is going to play a really big deal into this because, uh, even, I mean, obviously, uh, her sister, Alex doesn't know much, didn't know, didn't know how to tell the difference between the two ladies. She was like, Oh, you're a Laura. You're her mother. I, I can't believe it. Why, how are you doing here? And she's like, Oh, I'm not a Laura. I'm a, uh, tw- uh, whatever the sister's name was. Yeah. Her twin sister. And her, yeah. Oh, uh, Astra. Astra, general Astra. General Astra, right. So, yeah, that's uh, definitely going to – I think that's going to play a big role in the fact that they're that they're twin sisters. Which also I thought was very interesting is that uh, the twin sisters that Alora and Astra are definitely playing the same parallels as uh, Kara and Alex as being sisters because – Care is all about helping people, and and Allura was all about helping people. Whereas Astro is all about making sure that um, you know she was ruling with the nine fist, and uh, Alex had all these rules that uh, you know Kara has to follow. Oh, um, did you catch this? Uh, that they mentioned Lex Luthor on the news. Did they? Yeah, I think I missed that. Yeah, they said that. What they say? Um, that he was opening up a new uh, factory in uh, in Metropolis. 
Interesting. Yeah. Do you think that we, we might see a Lex Luthor in this show? I If we did, I don't know exactly why. Okay. Um, you know, Lex Luthor plays a big part. Well, he doesn't play a big part. He at one time played a big part in the whole Supergirl story, especially the Linda Davner's, Danvers uh, Supergirl. So we could... I mean, it's possible that we could see a Luther come in and try and sweep her off her feet kind of thing. Hmm. I mean, especially since she already has two guys kind of vying for her affection. You got James, the most good-looking man in the, all of the fucking country. <laughs> and uh, her uh, BFF, very effeminate, I'm a seamstress guy, yeah. also was very interested in her. Yeah. So that's... um. The two of them are interested in her, and she's kind of got this triangle going between the two of them. Uh, why not throw in Luther to be like, oh, this very rich and successful and smart man likes Kara, and what are the two of us going to do? <laughs> huh, interesting. Right? Uh, stronger together. Not only was it the title of the episode, but I, I almost have to say they said it probably about 108 times throughout the episode. Did you catch that? Yeah, and not only did they do that, but Kara was all like, oh yeah, the S, you know, that's what it stands for. And I was like, I thought it stood for hope. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it should stand for hope, but apparently it stands for strength together. I don't know. It's gonna, I think that's one of the things that that they're doing kind of weird, how they're, uh, it's both. Well, I mean, I knew that, well, another thing too, I knew this TV show was going to be cheesy, more, you know, I guess family oriented. So I guess I'd make certain changes that would, you know, appeal to everyone maybe. Yeah. And it's not directly connected to Man of Steel either. You know, we'll see. We'll see what they decide to do, which, you know, I think a lot of people will say that DC and DC and Warner Brothers is really doing themselves a disservice not having the TV shows and the movies connected, kind of like how they're doing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And because you're, I mean, you're already going to have a, 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 you already have a very successful Flash in the CW show, and then you're going to have a different Flash on the on the big screen. Uh, it's it's going to be very confusing. A big example from Supergirl. In this episode, she uses her super breath to try and take out that fire. She's not successful because she hasn't used it a lot. But in Man of Steel, that Superman doesn't even know about super breath. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. So he, he he never even used it. So it's obviously the two worlds aren't connected. We'll, we'll have to see. Did you think that the laser beams looked better on the TV show than they did on Man of Steel? Why are they blue? <laughs> <laughs> It's heat vision. I mean, okay, you could say like uh, fire when it's super hot goes blue. I mean, it goes a blue color instead of a red. But we know we've we've always known heat vision to be red. Why change it? Why why make it blue? What did you think? <laughs> I I thought it, the CGI effects looked better than it did in Man of Steel. But yeah, uh, the blue, the blue. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, okay, the CGI-wise, yes, they, I think they did a pretty good job. That was It was pretty good. Uh, it was an intense battle between the two of them. They both looking at each other and stuff, so that was pretty cool. Do you, do you think that she's going to have to learn how to use her smarts, or do you think it's going to be beating the shit out of each other every time and just Zod versus, uh, you know, 
call every time. You know, I hope not. I think that it's uh, definitely going to have... They're going to have to step up their game so it's not just a, a slugfest every time. I did like the fact that they put her in that room where her powers were dampened so that she would have to learn how to fight without using her powers. Um, obviously, it was dumb when that she goes up against a trained general of an army to in a hand-to-hand combat... And, uh, I mean, she has all the same powers that Kara does, so their powers aren't aren't a thing. And then Kara is able to do one judo move to use her (laughs) momentum against her. I was like, come on, the general would have countered for that or something, right? Right. (laughs) So, I mean, obviously Astra was locked away for a very long time. So, I mean, would she be affected by the green kryptonite too? Yes. Really? Because her, 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 I think her, her DNA is still going to be the same. So she uh, irradiated parts of her home, uh, which is what kryptonite supposed to be, is going to uh, still affect her. Even though she was away in the Phantom Zone, I don't think her molecular structure changed. Because, I mean, well, and I know this is two different universes, but I mean, in the Man of Steel movie... When Kal was on Zod's ship, you know, he was weak because of all the uh, kryptonite atmosphere, and Zod was perfectly fine. I think Zod was still wearing his outfit, though, right? Wasn't he still wearing his suit? He might have been then. And he, he didn't have... He, didn't, he wasn't exposed to uh, the sun's rays yet. Okay. I think that's what changes. That's, the, that's the, where's the difference at. Okay. So, well, I don't know, but we'll, we'll have to see. Well, you know, they'll probably ask those questions in Batman v Superman and make some of those answers, so we'll find out. Are we going to dedicate hopefully. Are we going to dedicate a podcast to just that movie? <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll definitely have to talk about it. It would be uh it'd probably be a shame not to. <laughs> but uh I I I, I we'll definitely have to talk about it. So, um Henshaw, I think is the last thing I wanted to talk about. That was he, awesome. He he how how they end the episode with him? Him walking away and his eyes glowing red. Glowing red. What does that mean? Uh, Is he already cyborg? He, uh, obviously, because I mean, lasers are blue in this universe. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know, he he was he, okay. First, he was prepared. He had he was the one that had the kryptonite knife. Yep. And uh, then we we uh, he's walking away and his. His eyes, even though he just had a moment where he was like, she's Supergirl, I'm proud of her, you know, you did you did a good job with your sister kind of thing. And everybody's like, yeah, Henshaw's on our side. Bam, red eyes, something's fucky, something's fucky around here. <laughs> Someone's up to so, no good. That's right. Um, other than that, we also saw that uh, Astra kind of answers to someone too. They didn't show the person's face, but she was talking to someone that was like, "Is Kara gonna be a problem?" And she's like, "No, I'll take, I'll deal with her." So she's not the the head honcho. Nope. Maybe not. She, uh, uh, Very interesting. Yeah, at this point, I don't even know who who the head honcho would be. Right. Exactly. I mean, but the fact that they're keeping his face hidden means it might be someone we've already seen or. Something that uh, is going to be a big a big reveal. The evil professor that created uh, fucking 
Oh god, Doomsday. Oh god. <laughs> hey, you're really pulling it out of the out of the deep bin. Uh sure, why not? We have uh maybe. Well we'll have to see. That's crazy. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Flash. Uh, the Flash overall, Wells is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> All I have to say is Tom Cavanaugh is an a fucking amazing actor. He is great because all last season, even though uh, the Harrison Wells we knew was actually Eir Barthon and an evil guy, Eir Barthon's an evil guy, he was so nice <laughs> as Harrison Wells. He was such a nice guy. Then this Harrison Wells, who's actually Harrison Wells, comes through and he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Cisco is going around talking about I'm just going to call him Harry <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that was the uh, the fourth uh, note I actually wrote on the episode before Cisco's like man you're a dick yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean that was so funny and oh the other thing that I thought was, was great um, what was it that uh, I think it was Harrison Wells says as a constant on every world Oh, um, oh, crap. Whatever it was that he said was a constant, I said, no, obviously the constant on every world is Big Belly Burger, because that's exactly what he said he wanted to get yep. when he was <laughs> he was there. So I was like, yeah, Big Belly Burger is the constant of every uh, world in the multiverse, so that's, that's hilarious. Jay Garrick said coffee was a constant in all the multiverses. That's what he said. The Wells made metas on... Uh, Earth 2? On... Earth 2 as well as he did as the Wells on this world did. Uh, he also came up with an app on how to track them or uh, see how they're uh, or even to figure out that if they're in the room or they're present. Which was pretty nifty. Will come in handy. It definitely will come in handy. That'd be some tech to definitely come in handy and uh, was able to basically pull Cisco out of the closet for the episode. That was a brilliant way too. Yeah, because Cisco was so struggling over whether or not to say something. And it just came, became more and more obvious that he was lying to his friends. And finally, Harrison Wells is just like, well, he's a meta, so obviously you need to uh, deal with him. Since Jay lost his powers, do you think the watch would go off if he pointed at Jay? I don't think, I don't think it would. I think it, I, and didn't, they, didn't they do something about that in the episode? Didn't, he, didn't Wells point that out? I don't remember, but I just know that he's like, well, th- um, you know, uh, Zoom took your powers. That's all he said. I, yeah, I'm, I don't think the I don't think the the watch would go off. Oh, um, I do want to applaud the writers uh, for obviously the 52 breaches is an obvious nod to the new 52. So hats off to them. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. They have 52 everywhere. Like uh, with the fire, the fire truck in a couple episodes back was. Engine fire fifty two, so they, fire engine fifty two. On Arrow, Arrow, whenever they do newscasts, it's a channel fifty two. Uh, so fifty two is everywhere. It's <laughs> they know how to synergize their brand. I think. <laughs> Doctor Light, Doctor Light was the was the baddie in this. Yes, Linda Park. They made her Linda Park. Very interesting uh, turn of events from the comic books. We did have a female Linda, uh, female Doctor Light in the comic books, uh, but she's obviously not Linda Park. She's uh, another character. She's the second Doctor Light. The first Doctor Light is uh, is an evil villain. The second Doctor Light is a is a hero. 
this time they decided to go ahead and they gave her the costume of the second Dr. Light, the hero Dr. Light, but uh, she is doing villainous things in this episode and she's uh, Linda Park. So I thought that was a very interesting turn of events. Jay said it himself. He's like, well, she's not, you know, a criminal or she's a criminal, but she's not a villain. She won't kill anybody. Yeah, she she won't do anything to harm anybody. She just wants to. She's just trying to steal some money, and like and that that was the one thing I thought was kind of cool. Jay's like, oh, you can just talk to her. You can probably talk her down. It'll be okay. And the comic books, you know, Barry usually does. I mean, not usually, but a lot of the times he does like to try and talk to the villains and talk them down instead of just beat fighting them and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, did you feel that the argument between Barry and Joe was very? Silly. We'll go ahead and explain the what they were arguing about. Well, um, just that whole argument when, you know, after he shoots Wells and then he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're not dead. He's like, yeah, that's because you didn't hit me. And then Barry's like, we need to talk. Let's go for a walk. And he's like, I don't know. Who, I don't know what to believe. He's all, there's this and then there's you and then there's that. And this is all. It's not making any more sense. This is true. Uh, this Yes, the, the, the exchange between the two of them was very silly. Uh, but I thought the actor that plays Joe did it really well. I think it's, I want to bring up is that Barry's character seems to be really different this season too. Um, not that it's a bad thing per se. He's just not as worried about things that much anymore. I don't know if you've noticed. He's probably getting more in tune and more confident in his powers. I guess that probably, that's probably what it is. Uh, I still have to bring up the fact that they, no one has talked about the fact that Adam Smasher died. And Sand Demon died. You know, uh, what happened to King Shark after uh, Wells took him down? Did they put him somewhere? Is he sitting in Iron Heights? What's what's going on with that? He can't be in Iron Heights. That's not going to hold him. Exactly. So where is he? Is he in the particle accelerator? Could he even fit in one of those cells? I don't know. That's... I want to know what what they. I mean, I, they didn't. They really they didn't even say it. Do you think that just knocked him out, or do you think that killed King Shark? Who knows? They didn't say. <laughs> Harrison, I, I'm pretty sure that this Harrison Wells doesn't care about him dying because uh, he's a bad guy. Then Harrison Wells was all about taking down Doctor Light when Jer- Joe Ger- Jay Garrick was like, "No, don't take her down. Talk to her." So he wouldn't have any problem killing King Shark. Whether or not he killed him is is up in the air at this point. Yeah, it's true. I gotta say, I mean, this doesn't really have to do with the episode. Uh, I thought the date was hilarious. I loved the whole scene when Spivet oh, and Barry. The date. Yes, yes, their date together. That was pretty hilarious. And she's like, "You're blind, aren't you?" And he's like, "How did you know?" <laughs> I'm a cop. I'm a detective. I know these things. Horrible lie. <laughs> that was hilarious. Horrible lie here. My <laughs> eyes got dilated, so yeah, I can't see you. <laughs> oh, that was a pretty bad lie. But yes, it worked out. I thought that was pretty good. Um, the date was was cute. It was very cute. So I liked it. I liked it that the the two of them are getting closer and getting together. Obviously, down the line, it's going to be, you're the Flash? Why didn't you tell me? I couldn't tell you to keep you safe. I have other people to think about. I can already tell you how the dialogue is going to go, and it's not going to be fun. CW um, writing for you. <laughs> uh, was There was a mention of Atlantis. Yes, when Jay was talking right? about Earth 2. And he's on my best friend is from there. 
<laughs> so, I mean, obviously Earth 2 has an Atlantis. Why don't we know about an Atlantis in Earth 1? Because our Earth is stupid and they think it's just a hidden city under the sea that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, damn it. We need to see Atlantis. And he said that Atlantis is a is above water. He did say that. So that was definitely interesting to do but that's happened in the comic books uh atlantis you know at one point becomes above water uh it starts off as above water they went to an emergency situation where they went underwater and everybody was able to breathe underwater for a very long time and then they made it raise again in recent history and then i think they put it back down underwater probably again with new 52 so yep uh it's not unheard of the foreshadowing for caitlin i don't know well obviously i don't know if um if her character is going to be from Earth 2, I can't remember her. The Killer Frost? Yeah, Killer Frost. Right. But that was a well, good foreshadowing. Hey, Wells uses Wells uses the the app on her, doesn't she? Doesn't he? That's right. So she has so to be from Earth 2. The Killer Frost has to be from Earth 2, unless something happens in the future that she gets powers. But yeah, uh, that's she's not a meta. But they already released photos um, of her in costume. So definitely Earth 2. Yeah, yeah, it's going to either be Earth Two or something down happens in the future that she gets powers. I am all for it. Let's let's see what she, what Daniel Panabaker can do with this. Yes. So in that the photo that we or the picture that we saw from uh, the finale last season, did she kind of look like um, uh, Sindel from Mortal Kombat? Yes. Too? Okay. All right. Well, I wasn't the only one then. It's good. Blonde hair, blue <laughs> eyes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the other big one we saw, or the character gave her name is Kara Saunders. Yep. Hot girl. Hot girl. <laughs> <laughs> I I was a uh, very. You know, okay, so when they first introduced the character and she's behind the counter, I was like, that actress looks very familiar. I didn't quite pinpoint who, who, why she looked familiar. And Cisco talks to her and he shoots her, she shoots him down and I'm like, oh, well, okay, maybe we won't see much more of her anyways. It doesn't make a difference. But when he goes back the second time, I'm, I'm staring at her more. I'm like, oh. I think I almost got it. And then she says, my name's Kara Saunders. And I was like, or Carrie Saunders. I was like, oh, I know. Because I've already seen the picture of her in the in the costume. So that's why I know her. So is this post, you know, um, he, Legends of Tomorrow? I don't think so. I think this is going to be, it's still pre-Legends of Tomorrow. Um, I, and I, obviously we're seeing in both um, Arrow and Flash the characters that we are uh, going to see in Legends of Tomorrow all converging into this one moment right now, uh, basically this season. Uh, we've we saw we already saw Captain Cold earlier this season. We've seen uh, now Hawk Girl, Hawkman will eventually show up. White Canary has uh, showed up in Arrow as, as well as the Atom going to be freed from whatever uh, tiny limbo that he's in probably. So, and a new firestorm. Yeah. New firestorm is going to show up. I, I always thought that it was supposed to be Ronnie Raymond that was going to be in that Legends of Tomorrow, but it sounds more like uh, Robbie Amell didn't sign up to be in Legends of Tomorrow. Huh. I wonder why. Who knows? That's very interesting. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see. Oh, um, I did want to say, I guess now we have a reason as to why wells is in a earth one because his his daughter is being uh held captive by zoom oh 
Oh, oh, okay. So, who do you think is Zoom? I, now that we've seen a little bit closer of what he looks like. Dude, oh man. One of my buddies posted a picture on Facebook. And it's uh, the actor that plays Barry Allen's dad. I I think I've seen that same photo. And they're they're trying to talk about how the eyes are very similar and the face structure is very similar, right? Yes. So, I mean, that John Wesley ship could be Zoom, playing Zoom. I mean, this... In this other world, maybe it was, uh, you know, his wife, Nora, and his son that got killed that night. Uh, and, you know, he, for whatever reason, he got the power of Zoom. But I, I think, as a, as a writing, uh, a person that does writing, I think the better one would be that if Barry was Zoom. That could be too. That could be it. I mean. I mean, why else? Because if, if it was Barry's dad, why would he be so intent on killing the flash wouldn't he kind of be more like you know like thomas wayne in flashpoint paradox being like oh my son's still alive in this other world i'd love to talk to him you know but if it's barry barry could be like fuck that i'm the only barry i'm the only flash i'm the only one that gets to have powers mind fuck (laughs) (laughs) so maybe you know what if that that picture of john was ship and his eyes and Zoom's eyes were thrown out there just to throw everybody off the off the trail. That's true. Well, but it it also could, I mean it it, it could be him too because think about why else would they have made it so that his father left at the beginning of the season? That's true. So you know we wouldn't have to focus on him anymore. Right. There's some possibilities out there. I can't wait to find out. If it, I last thing if it is, you know, Barry's dad. How is he going to react? It's going to destroy him. Holy shit! <laughs> oh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. See, yes, and Harrison Wells does not have a uh, uh, altruistic reasoning behind what he's doing of trying to stop Zoom. He wants to stop Zoom. For a good reason, because his daughter is being held captive. Yes. I don't know, though. I I mean, it makes sense why Zoom and Garrett can't be the same person. But what did he think at the beginning of the episode when he's like, you created all these metas, you created Zoom, you're to blame for? Right. You know, I think that was weird. (laughs) But uh, Jay Garrick, knowing who he is, he, he he became a good guy, so... I don't think he would have that kind of tantrum. It makes no sense. But, I mean, even even he left in a suspicious way, too, when he's like, well, I'm sorry. If you're going to take on Zoom, I can't do, deal with this. Bye. Yeah, that's that's so weird that they've made this character that's he doesn't have confidence in himself that way. Like, he's so afraid. He's so afraid of, of going up against Zoom. Yeah, they made him to a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's uh, the, the Zoom is the guy that took away his speed. And if you think about it, it's like someone – you'd have to face the person that took away your own leg, you know? It, I can see it. I can see it. he might have a little PTSD going up against him. But the way we, 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 read, we read and watch heroes, uh, or especially superheroes, is that they can – bust out of their uh, low self-esteem or, uh, you know, get the confidence they need to go up against the bad guy. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see. Anything you're expecting to see in the next couple episodes before the Christmas break? Oh, man, I just... Obviously, in the next episode, because I saw the episode preview, they're going to pull in Zoom by using Linda um, as bait. So. Right, they're, they're going to pull in our Linda using... Uh, Dr. Light's costume. 
do they not know how dangerous that is? <laughs> uh, I guess uh, the people in the Flash universe have never watched a movie where this has gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to find it. We'll have to see. Oh my goodness! The Constantine episode. The episode I was waiting for since they announced it. And I was let down. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about this episode? I was so looking forward to it. Oh, man. It's... Okay, I love that he was part of the flashbacks. I love that so much. But I just hated that they used him for the last 20 minutes of the episode. He was so... Okay, he was in the flashbacks and he was in the present day. And he was, like, barely there. I thought maybe that he was going to be a two-parter. He was going to be in two episodes, you know? Uh, something. It's just it was so bad. Like the way they used him, the first one he just shows up on the island in the flashback, and no explanation of how he got there or anything. And he needs to go find this thing that's somewhere on the island. It felt so forced. It felt so artificial. It just ugh. It, it left a bad taste in my mouth. And then uh, when they call upon him in the f- uh, the future. Uh, or not the future, but the present. He's talking about how he owed one to to uh, to to Ollie. Ollie, right? To Ollie, and I, I don't know. To me, it didn't seem like after that their little visit on the island, he would really owe him anything. Did it seem like it to you? No, he paid his debt by saying, "Hey, you got to punch me in the eye." Yeah, you know. So maybe they have another meeting between that island visit and when we see him in the present that he owes one to ollie but we'll we'll have to see they did have a really good joke and i thought it was hilarious and i don't know if you caught it but he asked felicity to go get all those ingredients they need to get the soul back she comes back with the ingredients and one peacock feather and she's like i don't understand why you need a peacock feather and he uses it to scratch his back right yeah that's a direct like hey nbc Fuck you. <laughs> I, I use you to scratch my back, you know? Oh. I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious because NBC's the yeah. Peacock Network, so it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> that joke must have flown over so many heads. Probably, but I got it. <laughs> the, this episode, I just want to add, needed a lot more of a supernatural vibe. Especially on the island after they uh, they went away from the you know the camp. Yes, exactly. It needed so much more supernatural. And then the little bit of supernatural they had when they go to rescue her soul. Oh my god, that was done in like three minutes. Oh, uh, that that part felt rushed, man. It's so rushed. They, he's talking about it's going to be really dangerous when you get in there. It's going to be whoever's got a hold of her soul is going to be holding on to it like like nobody's business. So they go in, they fight two guys. They defeat them. They got to go pull her out of the water together, and he fights one guy by himself. Like, that's it. That's all that you had to do. It seemed so anticlimactic. It's just, oh, I was so disappointed. I'm like, no, there's got to be more. And then, who is the big baddie this season? Damien Dark. Why wouldn't you have a guy who does magic stick around to help you fight the magic user? I, I know. Oh, that <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> especially when he's uh, especially how he's like oh you know hearing his name just makes the the hair on my back stand up 
I was like, well, the, you, you know how bad he is. Stick around. Give more advice. Yeah. Why would Why wouldn't he offer to stick around? Just be like, oh, you're fighting that guy. All right, I'm staying here. You're obviously gonna need my help. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so. so so upsetting. The episode was just so. I was so happy too. But the parts where Matt Ryan is on TV playing Constantine, I'm like, this is awesome. I'm so glad he got to do it again. And done. It's over. What? <laughs> they gave the fan base no. Uh, they didn't give us anything. So bad. All right. I've got that off my <laughs> chest. Let's talk about some of the other parts of the show. Okay. So. One of the big things I had, I don't know if I had problems with it, but it really stuck in me, was uh, Detective Lance. Detective Lance is in the in the Bat Cave, the Arrow Cave, to say, you know? Would, what do you think about that? I mean, would you ever see Gordon in the Bat Cave? I mean, I know that he's Batman now, and he's inside the suit even, but before this happened in New 52, would Gordon ever have gone to the Bat Cave? Hell no. Exactly. <laughs> Batman would have never let that happen. And Detective Lance just drives his car right in and is like, "What's going on, guys? I'm here to help. I'm here to I'm here to do the thing and you need to help me and I'm taking Diggle and we're going over to this power plant cuz Damian Dark told me to do this thing for him." Oh my god. I was just like, "No. This is not the way it should be working." Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. I this episode just did some interesting choices to say the least. It's frustrating on many levels for me. Very frustrating. I know that Damien explained why they deleted Diggle, but I mean, did, did that flow with the story with what we're dealing with besides Hive? No, and it didn't. And then this whole he's a drug lord in the Middle East, I mean, that's wow, that just came out of nowhere, right? Everything that we've ever heard Diggle say about his brother Andrew is that he was such a great guy. He was my brother. You know, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, oh, he was a bad guy. And we're all supposed to just take that at face value? I mean, either it's really bad writing and they dropped the ball on creating this character of Andrew Diggle, or it's really good writing and they're burying the fact that he was, maybe he was on an op or something like that. He was uh, doing something else and undercover. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I I honestly feel like Diggle didn't get his closure, the closure he was hoping for, and me as an audience member, I don't think I got the closure either. No, no, I don't think – but I think we're not supposed to have the closure yet. I think there's definitely going to be more since, you know, Dig is going to want to go, go against Hive and get them for killing his brother, whether he was a bad guy or not. He's going to want to – he's going to want to get his revenge. And that's when we'll get our closure. So it's it's down the line. What if it was Dig inside the 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 grave? Ooh, I don't. But see, it it makes sense after you say that he's gonna go after Hive and try to take him down himself. But right. But with uh, I feel that it, after last week's episode and just the way that Ollie and Detective Lance interacted with each other, I think it's Lance that's in that grave. Oh, I definitely think so too. I think you were right when you said that last week that. Or was it two weeks ago? But I think he, I, it's the very good possibility that it's it's Detective Lance because of the way that Ollie's reacting at the gravesite. He's he's solemn about it, but he's not heartbroken about it. You know what I mean? If it was Dig there, he'd probably be a lot worse off. But it could still be him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if it was Dig inside that casket or underneath that grave, we would never have to see that stupid helmet again. <laughs> 
Every time I see that thing, it's so bad. And we can't bring him back. Not anymore. No, 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 no. We don't bring people back anymore. Do you find it weird just to introduce a new character that we our tech person, Felicity, has a tech person? Isn't that, like, weird? Isn't that, like, terrible? Like, they couldn't find anything better for uh, Michael Holt, Curtis Holt, to do other than be Felicity's go-to tech guy. But, I mean, I thought you said they were going to build him up, you know, to be Mr. Mr. Terrific. Oh, they're definitely going to because they even dropped the line that he was a bronze medal Olympic winner this uh, this episode, which is true. Mr. Terrific is – or Michael Holt was a Olympic uh, athlete, and he – is super intelligent, so I'm okay with it, but I'm just thinking it's there there had to have been something a better way to write in his character than to just be Felicity's tech guy. All the tech that she can't get done, he, she takes to him. And up to this season, there wasn't anything Felicity couldn't do. She's hacking into <laughs> government fucking uh, computer systems or taking over satellites from her computer, you know? There's almost nothing she couldn't do tech-wise, but now she needs someone to figure things out for her. Maybe they just wanted somebody to rival Ray Palmer. Maybe. I, I mean, I, I'm just saying, I think, to me, it was very lazy writing. This episode was lazy writing. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it was. I, I'm very upset with it, so uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Thea has been trained by Malcolm Merlin. She has fought for the last six months... Uh, beside Black Canary and Dig, held her own, and you get one crazed, uh, out of control uh, Sarah, and she can't, she can't fight her. Like nothing, all of her fighting skills have gone out the window. Well, I thought they said once people come out of the pit, you know, they have superhuman strength. Even so, superhuman strength. She's she's swinging wildly. She's not like she's not like fighting with uh, style or anything like that. Look at Supergirl. She was able to throw a general through a wall. <laughs> I mean, Thea should have been able to handle herself a lot better. I will give you that the first encounter she had with Sarah in her apartment, she was drinking. So maybe the alcohol took an effect, and that's why you shouldn't fight when you're drunk. Though <laughs> yeah, no, she slashed her face. <laughs> And then the second encounter, she's at she's in the hospital, so she's already probably had some drugs in her, and she's already been beaten to a pulp, so she still couldn't fight her. I don't know. Oh, um, did you see the episode preview? I didn't. I don't think I did. So um, they talk about the message that uh, that Ray Palmer left saying, "Help, you know, Felicity, I need your help. I'm in danger." Okay. And okay. Um, they somehow find surveillance feed on Damian Dark. And he has Ray Palmer captive. Wow. I, yeah, I totally did not watch the preview. Sometimes I cut the DVR off before the, the preview just because I don't want to see it. I just want to be into it when I see it. You know what I mean? Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not so much spoiler alert. I just want to see it when it happens, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I, I cut it off just – or I, I didn't see this part. So that's interesting. How did he get the messages to – uh, Felicity then, how did she he get into her phone system, stuff like that? You think these are all latent things that he just programmed into the computer? Could be. I mean, it's still... Okay, so obviously when the explosion went off, he didn't shrink down a size. Or he could have... It just raises so many questions. It does. We'll have, uh, we'll have, uh, hopefully the questions will be answered in the episode. And we'll, we won't be as frustrated as we were with this last, <laughs> this, this episode. So we'll have to see. Time for the shield two minute. <laughs> gotcha. Agents the shield. 
Andrew Carter, May's ex-husband, not dead. Very wow. We couldn't we couldn't believe it. Um, he he survived the explosion in the convenience store. Uh, Mockingbird versus the Calvary. Agent May versus Bobby Morse. Such a great fight scene. Oh my god. This is a fight scene you would see in movies and they did it on this TV show. Unbelievable. Powers Booth, the actor, comes into the show. He was already a character in the Avengers. So he played the the leader of the Shadow Council that told uh, was telling uh, uh, Nick Fury what to do. You remember in the Avengers? Yes. Okay, so he's in this episode, and he's playing a guy that's kind of the uh, either old school Hydra or what. So, following this the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he could still be uh, the same character because we know Hydra was very much involved in Shield. So. I, I they didn't say what his name was in the episode, so he very much well could be the same character, which I think is pretty cool. That's very very cool. Um, we got to see Rosalind, the head of the ATCU's home. Her and Coulson are very getting very much getting uh, closer, and I don't mean closer in a romantic way. I mean very much in a professional way. She is opening up her side of the investigation to him playing ball more um but she does try and give him the runaround by taking her to her home first before she was supposed to take him to the facility where they work at and he colson being colson is looking around at things and he's like oh this isn't right this also isn't right these guys these officers aren't right because she faked a uh, uh someone breaking into her home kind of thing to throw him off and he 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 picked up that it was all fake so very cool moment for Coulson as a character. We do see her facility, though. So in her facility, the the guys are... Her, her, her people, the ATCU, are taking the Inhumans and they're putting them in like a, a lock cryostasis kind of thing where they can no longer hurt anybody else or themselves with their newfound powers that they didn't know about. So... It's very much so that she thinks she's doing it for the better better of them. And he isn't disagreeing, basically. Uh, he tells her that this isn't right. You shouldn't be doing it this way. But she explains to him that her husband in the past died from cancer. And if he, she could have done something similar where she could have froze him in time, uh, she would have done that so that they could freeze him and he'd still be alive until the point where they could find a cure for whatever was killing him. But they couldn't do that for her husband, so she, they're going to do that for these inhumans. These people that you know don't want to have these powers and are a danger to their families and their friends, they put them in basically a, a chemically induced coma so that they can't hurt anybody until they can find a cure for their inhuman uh, problem, basically. But Daisy sees this happen, and Daisy can't believe that she sees Coulson is okay with all this stuff. So it's going to be very much so of the, that this next coming episodes where she's going to be uh, spouting off to Coulson or saying, hey, I can't believe you're letting Rosalind do this to other Inhumans when you know that I'm an Inhuman and I would never want this done to me kind of thing. So that we're, that's where we're going to see the next conflict. It's going to be between Daisy and, and Coulson. Uh, can't wait to find out that Hunter comes back and he tells uh, Fitz that he shouldn't help Simmons find Will because that's only going to be help or 
getting competition for Simmons' love. And like the whole time I'm watching this this interaction between Hunter and Fitz, I'm like, you Fitz Hunter, you're really talking about leaving a guy stranded on another planet in the middle of nowhere just because he does like Fitz wouldn't want competition for Simmons' love. That is a douchebag <laughs> right there. <laughs> that is a douche thing to do. That is horrible. So I'm glad that that Fitz is is trying to help out Simmons, and he's not even questioning it. Um. But he does tell her that there's no... He hasn't figured out a way to do anything yet. But we do see stuff on the computer which might mean that he is going the way that Hunter is talking. So we'll see. The last very big reveal, though, is that Andrew Carter, Agent May's ex-husband, the reason he survived is because he is Lash. The guy, He is the Inhuman going around killing other Inhumans. So... Wow! big fucking reveal and he, and the way we find that out is that uh the strucker kid the von strucker kid tells may this and she has to come to the realization that the guy that she loves is killing other inhumans and is a big threat right now so whoo that's going to play out in the next couple episodes it's going to be interesting uh i think that's all i have to say about Age of shield i am still digging it so Anybody else that's digging it should give me a drop me a line some way, and we will talk about it. And Daniel is going to catch up one of these days, and <laughs> <laughs> and we will be able to talk about it too. Which brings us to the highlight of our show. At least that's the way we always play it. <laughs> I mean, it okay. We can't. We can't. You can't tell us that it's not the most popular show that we talk about. It is watched by. What, 15 million people every week? It's one of the highest rated shows on television right now. And and what we're talking about is The Walking Dead. For those who don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so coming off a big episode where Glenn is either dead or not dead. He's Schrodinger's Glenn right now. <laughs> we don't know. Um, we have a full-on Morgan flashback episode. Totally Morgan episode. And uh, he he starts off with him talking to somebody off camera, and he goes straight into the flashback, and we learn uh, what happened to him after uh, after Rick left him uh, in that city where clear was everything he needed to do. He needed to clear. He needed to clear every room all the time, everywhere. What do you have to say about this episode? A lot of my friends that and coworkers that saw this episode obviously said. It was a slow episode, but every now and then, you know, we're always going to have an episode of The Walking Dead that's going to be slow, that's going to, you know, show backstory for a certain character. Like the governor, he had, you know, a couple of episodes to show what he went through, but I even those episodes don't bother me. I don't think they're slow because they do such an amazing job of telling the story. Oh, God, yes. You're saying it's slow. The pacing is slow in the episode, but that's because it's supposed to be. It, we are really getting a backstory in Morgan now. I mean, this episode was 90 minutes long. If it was a not a good episode, they would have cut it down to an hour. But it was 90 minutes long, and oh my god, it was incredible. Like To take us from one end of the spectrum of emotion with uh, Glenn dying in the last episode, and then to this episode, learning where Morgan has been, what he did... And how he became this Zen master, basically, that we know now. 
wow, it was incredible. I mean, so he meets this this guy Eastman who, for all intents and purposes, lives out in the middle of of the woods by himself and has taught himself to to survive without having to kill, like because he has he has taken on this philosophy of um, Aikido where you know use the other person's momentum or whatever to substa- subdue them but not kill them and wow he he's able to break through to uh Morgan and and get the rage out of his head to the point where he's calm and he's thinking about things and he's he, I mean he still has the the training that he gave himself to take out guys but he doesn't use it that way anymore what did you think about him being in the in the in the jail cell he definitely needed that, obviously, to, you know, clear his head uh, so he wouldn't be, you know, a threat to himself and to Eastman. Also, I thought that was really, really good symbolism. Very. And, I mean, they, they laid on pretty thick with it, too. I mean, even to the point, like, when he breaks off that zipper and he starts using it to uh, pry the bars out, basically, what he's doing in that windowsill, I'm sitting there like... Um, he didn't try the door. I wonder if that door is just open. <laughs> and as soon as I th- I thought that to myself, fucking Eastman comes in and goes, "Hey, that door is open. You can you can come out whenever you want." <laughs> was, I thought was fucking incredible and definitely a metaphor. You you can break yourself out of there, out of your funk whenever you want. You just have to want to do it. And he he comes out and Eastman. Being who he is, he's he's pacifist. He's like, all right, you can go about your way, or you can sleep on the couch and hang out with me because I need the company. It sucks being out here by myself. And the first thing Morgan does is run at him to attack him, and he puts him down. He's like, no, I told you, leave either leave or sleep on the couch. I'm not going to let you kill me. It's not going to happen. Oh my god, it's such a good 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 episode. And just with him, he's like, all right. Um, after he seduces him, he's like, you got again. I gave you two choices. You know, stay here or leave. And he just locks himself in the cell. Right. He just goes right back, and then Eastman opens the door and says, "Look, it's open." And what's what's Morgan do? He kicks it back shut. Yep. Like it, you know, it's not locked. <laughs> we know it's not locked. There's, it, it's it's just it's it's him having to get out of his own head. Uh, then he goes out and he, he he tries to go back to his old ways and he realizes, no, I, I can't be that guy anymore. I have to I have to try and be this new guy. So he goes back to Eastman and he helps bury the bodies of the of the walkers and he he starts taking on the new philosophy. So very cool. Um, we hear this whole backstory of Eastman, of uh, his wife and two kids getting killed by this sociopath that he had to deal with in prison because he was a forensic psychiatrist who basically has to tell he has to evaluate prisoners that are going to try and get out uh legally uh, whether or not they should be out of prison and he came across one man that he believes actually was evil complete evil and he tells him you're not getting out i'm not going to let you uh out of prison and that guy escapes prison eventually and kills his family and then goes back to to jail willingly. He he goes to the police station and says, I broke out of jail. I killed this guy's family. Put me back in. And they're like, well, why'd you come back? He's like, the only, only thing I wanted to do was kill that guy's family. I'm done. You can go. Like, we'll go back now. And wow. Wow. So, you know, Eastman, uh, being the psychiatrist, knew, knew some people on the inside of the prison system. 
went and kidnapped the what was his name? It was uh, some weird three name name because all fucking killers <laughs> have three names. Crichton Dallas Wilton. Wilton. Okay. Yeah. He. He. So he went and you know he 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 brings him back to that safe house or that cabin in the woods that he has, and that's why there's bar a little prison cell in there. And he talks about how he's, he was going to sit there and let him starve to death until he died. And while he's sitting there waiting for this guy to die, that's when the apocalypse happens. And I, I was like, God, could you imagine that? You're having this big fucking uh, come to fucking terms with your soul of whether or not to kill the man that killed your family. And you're struggling with this decision. And after it all goes down, you go back to civilization and everybody's fucking dead either dead or killing each other i mean you'd have to toe it'd have to toy with your brain did i do this did this did this happen because i'm a fucking douchebag or you know or because i went evil kind of thing you know i i don't know i i couldn't imagine the ramifications of something like that in my brain but from that point on he said all life is precious all life is precious if you're living you stay living around me and then he's like even someone that crazy he's like all life is precious all life is precious. But that's before we know that he actually did kill the guy. Yep. Okay, as much as I liked this episode, I do have to say that I was very pissed about how the way that Eastman died. Yeah. When he gets bit in the back. It's, I mean, it's one walker, and, I mean, I understand Morgan froze because it's, a, it's the, the guy he killed earlier in the episode, but why would Eastman knock him out of the way and then turn his back to the walker so that he could get bitten? It was so dumb. They could have done this a better way, and they didn't. He died so stupid. I was already, I was okay with him dying. I'm prepared for him to die, but the way they did it was just terrible. He could have, could have got, he could have gotten Morgan out of the way so many different ways. He could have just killed the Walker and not have to worry about anything else. But no, he jumps in between the two of them and gets bit in the back. He should have known better. Like he, de- he definitely knows better. It was, like, once again, lazy writing. They had no other way. They couldn't figure out a different way for him to get killed or for him to die slowly so that uh, they could have... Him and Morgan could have their last talks. And it... Oh, it was... I was like, oh, for <laughs> such a great... A greatly written episode, they did a, such a piss-poor job of killing him off. But, um... Hands off, uh, hands up to uh, Lenny James. He did a great performance in this episode. Yes, yes, very much so. And uh, what what made me feel sorry throughout this whole episode was just you know Morgan begging and begging for death. You know, just kill me, just kill me every time. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, yeah, you're right. That's the a man that was. He's ready for death, and he feels that he it, he deserves it for all the things that he's done. And I, the fact that this man showed him mercy or took him in or whatever you want to call it, you know, at first just wouldn't compute to his brain. So I can understand that he it's the the kill me aspect just came over him again, you know. And especially after he saved them too, he was like, "Kill me," you know, from the walker. Because he 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 has the he has that. I mean, he says it in the in, uh, Eastman says in the show. You have P- PTSD. You don't know how to live amongst regular people anymore because of what you've had to do, and that's understandable. But it was hard, and it, it was hard to watch Morgan go through that. And that's what that's what we're supposed to feel. We're supposed to. It's supposed to be hard to watch him 
either you have emotions to the don't be this way Morgan or you have this oh I can't believe this happened to him kind of emotions you know but you're supposed to feel something and Lenny James did an incredible job of making us feel yep. and the guy who played Eastman I've, I've seen him in tons of things and even in the Talking Dead episode afterwards they talk about how that guy is in everything he's he's always you, you see him as a character actor in everything to me he'll always be Drew Carey's brother on the Drew Carey show <laughs> but <laughs> uh you all you see he's in he's in tons of stuff like you you'll be surprised how many things he's been in but he did a great job too basically is what i was trying to get yes you know obviously morgan had that internal struggle do you think he he almost killed you know the travelers after he mugged them and saved them i don't know if he i think his instinct was to kill them because that's what he had done for so long but Obviously, obviously there was the struggle, and it, it wasn't his way anymore, or it almost wasn't his way anymore. He he saw there was no point in killing them because they weren't a threat to him, and maybe he was getting a piece of this "all life is is important" kind of thing. So it was it was a good it was a good turn for his character to not kill those guys after he had just saved them, and then they gave him his their their one can of beans. And the bullet. And, oh, and the one <laughs> bullet. I don't know. I don't know what they were going to do with that. But that's. I mean, you could just think about it. those two guys or those two people were are survivors, but they're kind of survivors that have no idea how they've survived this long. Like, you know what I mean? They've they have the one bullet, no no weapons. The one guy is on a crutch. Uh, she, they have one can, and they're just kind. It look almost like they're they're wandering aimlessly. So. How do the two people like that survive on their own for this long without having to go be part of a group or being killed by, uh, you know, the people at Terminus or the governor's people kind of thing? You know what I mean? That bullet was for a suicide pack. For what? Did they have a gun? They didn't. I, was someone going to eat it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Were they going to just throw it into a fire and and hope that it, it shoots at one of them? <laughs> What do you think? Okay, what do you think about? Okay, so outside of this show, first thing we had, kind of, well, okay, yeah, the first thing we had was the governor, and he was I, the way they portrayed him in the show. He was he was pin ultimate bad. He was a bad guy. He was a villain. And then we had Terminus. It's like, oh man, these people are pretty. These people are worse. They're eating people. And now, from what I've gathered from you guys who read the comic books. We can very much expect Negan, who's going to be even worse. How were they going to? How do they bump up the the bar each time? Like how is how is it that they can do things like that? How can there always be a new bigger baddie? You know, what, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I get you. I mean, <laughs> I, it's just I don't know. Things like that always seem to to throw me out of the suspension of disbelief. Like like when you play a video game, okay, or at least back, video games back in the day when on the first level, the bad guy on that level is super hard to beat, right? Because you're low power. You, you don't have a lot of power. Then you beat him and say five levels later, he comes back, but he's a minion to the next big bad guy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, how was the guy that was so powerful and so, like, hard to beat in that first level... Now is not that hard to beat, and he's kind of a henchman to the next big bad guy. I don't know. Those things are always kind of weird to me. Writing? I don't know. (laughs) 
No, I mean it's it's structure. It's the structure of of how things have to get worse as you go along to create drama. I understand that much. It's just it's just always weird to me. So so yeah, I know nothing about Negan and his his followers and these guys. But from everything that you guys, you and Franny and anybody else has read the comic books have described to me, he is a bad guy. And Lucille is something to be feared. Yes. (laughs) So I am both excited and weary for when he actually shows up. Let let, let me just throw this out there. And I'm sorry if I spoil this for anybody, but this is how bad he is. He runs a group called The Saviors. And in that community, if he feels that you do something blasphemous, just so everybody knows that you committed an act that's considered blasphemy in his community, he will get an iron and press it against your face so you have a permanent iron mark showing that you've done something blasphemous. Wow. He very much into old school fucking Old Testament treatment there. That's, uh, that's, that's some crazy shit. So, yeah, like I said... Both excited and weary of of seeing this character when he pops up. So, uh, I mean, obviously the episode ends with... Well, it starts off with Morgan talking to the camera, but it's not really a camera. He's talking to a wolf. And then the episode ends... And he's, he's talking to that wolf that I told you. I said it. he didn't kill that guy at the end of that episode. Yes. He knocked him out and he kept him handcuffed. So, uh, yeah, you're right. He's talking to this, this wolf that he has trapped inside... His place, basically, but but we already know that that place is the the kind of holding cell that um, Rick had um, devised for Alexandria because that's because that's where Morgan was being held. Morgan was being held, and then then they hold uh, Rick there for a couple of days too. I think so. Yeah. So so yeah. So uh, we don't know if what Morgan was going to do with this guy because he he tells he tells him. You know, I can do this for you. What what Eastman did for me, I can do for you. We can take the rage out of you. And the wolf just looks at him straight and says, "If you let me out, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill everybody you love. I'm going to kill everybody in this. T- I'm going to get my people, and we're gonna we're gonna do terrible things." And you you as an audience member, you're just sitting there like. Fuck it, kill him. Just put your bow staff through his face and be done with it. Even after 90 minutes of watching Morgan get his soul back, you know, get his uh, composure back and be this man of peace, you're just like, no, this guy can't live. And we don't get to see the resolution. We don't get to know what happened or what Morgan's going to decide in that moment because other things happen off camera and he, he leaves. He, he locks the guy up inside there. Well, two things I want to bring up. Um, when he lifted up his shirt, was that just like a, like a wound he got from the battle or was that a bite or a scratch? I think it was just a wound. Okay. But it, it could very much be a mortal wound. I mean, this could be show that the guy is on his way to becoming a walker. Yes. And then, I mean, and maybe, you know, he's like, well, that's getting infected, so obviously you're going to die. So I'm just going to keep you here until you die. But also, do you feel that the wolf was trying to corrupt Morgan? Yes. I think after learning about the story and learning about what Morgan was beforehand, he was trying to pull the old Morgan out. Yeah. Well, obviously this episode ends with Rick just yelling, open the gate, open the gate. So... Was that Rick? Yeah. Oh, I watched it with subtitles and it said Rick and then it said... <laughs> <laughs> I've said this before. I am terrible with voices. 
you give me faces, and I can rec- I'll recognize people, and I can tell you other things they've been in. But as soon as it's just a disembodied voice, I, I'm usually pretty clo- clueless. So everybody and their mom could have been like, "Oh yeah, of course that's Rick," without using the subtitles. But as soon as I, if I hear it, I need someone to point out who it is because I like that's one thing watching about like watching animated shows or car- or movies or stuff. I can never tell who the voice is unless I've read it beforehand. Ah. Uh. All right. Uh, definitely, I think, another great episode for this season. This season has just knocked it out of the park for me. I can't wait for more of this season to happen. Hopefully find out, you know, where Glenn has been or his fates in this episode. Hopefully we'll find out his fate in this episode and uh, find out what, you know, how Maggie's going to take it one way or the other. We have to find out. <laughs> Can't put Beth on us. Oh God! Can you imagine <laughs> that she loses. I mean, relatively loses Herschel, Beth, and Glenn all around, probably within the same year. That'd be kind of harsh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe not the same year. I don't know how long ago Herschel would have been, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't have been too long ago. No. I mean, they just went from the prison to Terminus, and then Terminus to the church, and then church to Alexandria. I can't imagine all that took too long. Had to be a few months. As always, you can find me on Twitter at at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Um, I'm there 24-7. It's almost a sickness how much I'm on Twitter. I love it, but uh, uh, you can always find me there. Um, How about you, Daniel? Uh, You can just find me using my regular name, Daniel Barroso, on Twitter. Okay, and if you want to get a hold of Geek Elite Radio, they're also on Twitter at Geek Elite Radio. Uh, you can go to our website, geekeliteradio.com, and on Facebook, where we post a lot of things and uh, talk to the people that want to talk to us, it's Geek Elite Radio on Facebook. Give us a drop us a line, give us a jingle, so to say. And, you know, people not not too many jingles happen anymore because no one has uh, landlines anymore. <laughs> But you can you can definitely do that, and uh, we will be there to answer you. So until next time, this is Televised Heroics on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, Geek Out! We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.